Congressman Mark Green of Clarksville is settling into his role as chairman of the Homeland Security Committee. This week, he joins Charlie Kuhn to talk about the reasons border security is important and about his efforts to reach across the aisle and bridge the partisan divide in Congress. Clarksville's conversation is powered by FNM Bank. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Charlie. It, it is so good to see you and, and all your, your folks with you today. Uh, I guess there's not much going on with you, right? <laughs> yeah, no, we, uh, we we don't have a lot going on. We just, you know, kick back. Do <laughs> No, it, life is uh, <laughs> life's pretty crazy right now, but I'm I'm loving it. I, I, I um, you know, getting to be a chairman, I, I feel like I'm in, in where I'm supposed to be. You know, yeah. being a congressman or being a state senator or being a legislator, you're you know, it, it's not like what I'd done in my lifetime before. I was a CEO. I was a commander. I was a an executive level leader. You know, when you're just the ER physician running the trauma, you're in charge. You know, and so when you're one of 435, yeah. you know, it, it, the mechanisms are a little differently. But I, I different. But I think I learned it quickly, and you know, now I'm I'm chairing a committee. But I get to cast a vision now. Yeah, I get to direct people toward that vision build the strategic uh, imperatives, the operational goals, the tactical methods to achieve the vision. And it's, uh, I feel like I'm, I don't know, I just got a lot of energy. I'm pumped yeah. and ready to go. Well, Big the, issues too. The, this little committee, the Homeland Security Committee yeah, just, that, that you yeah. just happen to be chairman of. Yeah. I mean, how does that assignment come along? Because that that's pretty early in your term to be that kind of chairman, correct? Yeah, it, it's kind of unprecedented in modern times to get it in, you know, at this point in your uh, legislative career, congressional career. Um, you know, I I just went to Congress to try to be the guy that brought people together. Um, and that means within the parties and between the parties. Now, we can talk about both of those, but in my efforts to unite the Republican Party, I built relationships of influence with the spectrum of people in the party from McCarthy to, you know, Jim Jordan's and the, and I became the guy that both groups relied on to put the two together when it came to, and, and it really grew my influence in the Congress. And, but the process is a steering committee, which is elected by the regions. So Tennessee's steering committee rep is Tennessee and Alabama. And it's Mike Rogers. So you start there, but um, it's about 32 people and they vote. So you sort of court them over the time. You meet with them one-on-one, -on -one, win their hearts, go into a presentation where you actually do a PowerPoint presentation. And as a military officer, you know, I've done a few of those. <laughs> yeah. And as a physician, I've you know done a few of those uh, for grand rounds and all that. So I did a PowerPoint presentation about what I wanted to do with the committee and I made it about the committee members, so yeah. I didn't have pictures of myself. I mean, I had yeah. a few, but I put pictures of the members of the committee up and made it about making them successful and, of course, the, the vision that we had for it and all that and uh, won the day. You know, it, it was funny uh, a few weeks ago when Citizens for Fort Campbell uh, were in D.C. and we're, we're walking by the Capitol and it just, I mean, perfect timing. Speaker McCarthy is coming down the steps and and we're on a collision course. There was nothing we could do about it. And he walks right up to us and we said hello. And he says, you know, who are you? Where are you from? And we said Tennessee. And we just happened to be going to your office. Yeah. And he spoke very highly of you. And he said, hey, he's a great man. And uh, and we're fortunate to have him there. And 
And I think as, as our community knows you, you being in that spot is a really big deal, not just for you, but, but for our country, because you know a lot of the ins and outs of Homeland Security. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, so, so what does that committee do? What all, on your day-to-day basis, what are you looking at? Well, it's probably, as far as mission sets go, the broadest uh, set of mission sets in, the, in of really any agency in the federal government. Uh, from ICE, Customs and Border Protection, U.S. citizenship, uh, that's sort of yeah. all in one theme. But you also have the Secret Service, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Centers. You have FEMA. So whenever there's a disaster, FEMA oh. is in that. And what's probably most important, and there's 23 total agencies that report to that secretary, but uh, CISA, which is the cyber security um, guys who basically defend um, our cyber border. And that's a term that I have coined. I did an op-ed on it several months ago now calling our, our cyber border, our fourth border. And because when you think about it, it's, I mean, the Southern border is in chaos right now. Mm -hmm. We can get into that if you want, but our cyber border colonial pipeline hit Tennesseans. You know, there were days you couldn't get fuel and prices went up. The solar winds hack compromised tons of companies across the country. And between the the government that had the government offices that got hit and the private offices that got hit, the total cost is a hundred billion dollars according to Forbes magazine. Mm. That's a huge amount of money. Uh, so the damage from our cyber board, you know, letting our cyber border down is just as bad. As, as what's happening at the southern border. The southern border is more, uh, people are more aware of it because they see the human cost. I mean, 107,000 dead yeah. Americans to overdose fentanyl coming across the southern border, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so it's a huge department. The Coast Guard, I mean, I could just go on. The, the wow. list is very long with a very broad mission set. You know, I know, I know just in the, I guess, the circle I run in, the border is always a, a hot topic. And of course, the balloons. Yeah. Are, the, and, the, and I don't <laughs> think anybody really understands either one of them from a distance. Sure. You know, and there is a Homeland Security piece to the balloon, although DOD and NORAD are, uh, manage, manage the tracking and takedown of those kinds of things. But uh, they're and I can't go into it uh, into too much detail because it's classified, but there is a cyber piece to a balloon flying over the U.S., and we'll just leave it at that, right? But yeah. um, that involves CISA, which is in Homeland Security. Man, uh, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. Do you, do you come up with a plan for the border? Because I know you've been there multiple times. You take people there. And I, it seems like I had heard a few months ago that you guys were going to start having some committee meetings down there or yeah, something? Yeah, actually the 15th, we will take the entire committee to the border. And we're doing that to, one, communicate well to the local community, particularly Texas, who has borne the brunt of this, although I would submit every state's a border state now. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to communicate to them that we're listening and that we're uh, going to try to tackle this issue. It's really hard, though, because... You know, we got a Democrat-controlled Senate and a Democrat in the White House, and the Democrat in the White House has actually caused the problem with uh, removal of the policies that mm-hmm. were in place. Right? He's yeah. he's taken eighty-nine different policies out that from the previous administrations, 
not yeah. just the Trump administration, but also the Obama administration. And that's why we've seen 4.7 million encounters, 1.2 million gotaways. Put that into perspective, 25 states in the nation have populations less than 4.6 million. I mean, he's basically flooding the country. It's, du- it's way more than both Obama and Trump combined. So in that 12-year period, Joe Biden's let in more people in two years than President Obama and President Trump did in their combined wow. 12 years. And it's really, uh, you know, allowed the car- cartels to make billions of dollars transferring people across Central America and from all over the world now. They're advertising in China. It costs about 50 grand to the cartel if you come from China and come across our southern border. It's about 35 grand if you're from Iran. Um, but the cartels pocket that money in the, to the tune of $15 billion a year. Wow. And what they're doing, because they, they recognize the border's wide open, is they pump people um, – to the crossing sites, which forces CBP to thin the line in the rural areas. And then we've got video after video of mm-hmm. the cartels coming across undetected by the government, but detected by the ranchers who put the game cameras up, uh, back, backpack wearing, camouflage wearing, carpet shoe wearing. And then you find these drop sites five to 10 miles into the U.S. where there's 500 back empty backpacks and empty carpet shoes where they just dump them into a big truck and and it goes, you know, to Nashville or to Chicago or wherever in the country. And, um, you know, the Democrats, not all Democrats, because some Democrats are actually, if you get them in the halls, they'll whisper to you that it's a mess, right? But on the face of it, they they stick with their administration. Not unlike we do, I'll be honest. Um, But they, behind closed doors, admit it's a problem. But, um, you know, we're talking, you know, 107,000 dead Americans in one year. Uh, Al Qaeda killed 3,000 Americans, and we went to war for 20 years. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is crazy. And the, you know, look at Sh- Sheriff Fuson. And I talked to the sheriffs in Tennessee, and they say when Joe Biden took office, a hit of fentanyl on the street, 95 bucks. Yeah. A hit of fentanyl now. 28 bucks. That's a supply demand thing. So the Democrats who are out there saying, and not all of them, but the Democrats who are out there saying, oh, we're catching more at the border crossings. Well, yeah, true. But that's not, I mean, the fentanyl's still pouring into the country. So for Alejandro Mayorkas to say, Secretary Mayorkas to say, we've got operational control of the border. He's either stupid or he's lying. And I hate to say it that way, but that's the two options. He's Mm -hmm. either stupid and incompetent or he's lying. And I think he's lying. I have gone to his court cases when he was a prosecutor. He's a bright guy and he knows the law and the law defines what operational control of the border is. It's stated in law. So he he definitely doesn't have operational control of the border. The cartels do by their Mm. mass wave tactics and sneaking the fentanyl across. Wow. You know, you you bring up, you know, I know you. You talk to a lot of people on the other side of the aisle, right? And you, sure. And generally, I, I know you, and I know you're just trying to do what's right. I, I, but are you are you gaining some support and some momentum where where people are starting to understand what you're seeing versus what they're supporting? 
I mean, are you getting some some support? Well, clearly, all the Republicans are united on this issue. Yeah. Uh, there are Democrats who will talk about it. and I mean, there's a couple of them that will actually vote with us, like Vincente yeah. Gonzalez, yeah. Uh, I think, will vote, for, vote with us. Cuellar will probably vote with us. They're both Texas guys, and they can't not vote on this issue with yeah. us, right? Because um, yeah. even Democrats in Texas are supporting better border control. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there are some. And I'm reaching out to the other side and other yeah. uh, other areas with this whole Reagan O'Neill Club thing I started, yeah. which has really taken off. And we could get into that if you want to. But um, again, my goal bringing yeah. healing divide in the country there. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there are some that will get it. And, and what we'll have to do, there are pieces of fixing it that they will agree with wholeheartedly, especially if it spends money, mm-hmm. right? Because they like to spend money. But um there are pieces of it which they, you know, aren't going to support. It's sort of like a curve, if yeah. you think of it, as you progress further and further to the right, fewer of those guys are yeah. going to be with it. Um, so, but we're going to, we're dropping a bill probably the the week of the 20th or so yeah. that will be our border security bill. And uh, that bill is to try to fix it all. It'll go to the floor of the House in April, uh, probably pass the floor of the House, hopefully pass the floor of the House. It will probably then go to the Senate and collect some dust. And at that time, we'll be hammering the Senate for inaction. We'll do that for a few months. And then uh, if they decide they're not going to support that, then we will break the bill apart and try to move the needle and pass some of the pieces that they'll agree with. Uh, And that's our, our sort of strategy. I know that happens, or it seems like it happens on both sides of the aisle. You know, you got to really, really do some serious negotiating just to even get small pieces. Yes, when the there's puzzle. a split government, yes. Yeah. You know, during the last administration, last two years, the first two years of Biden, he had both Democrat control of the House and the and the Senate, so pretty much got whatever they want. And now you're looking at the results of that, yeah. both in the economy as well as at the southern border. At the you know global situation which is yeah. the worst it's probably been since pre-world war ii uh, and that's all because of biden's yeah. weakness so I, i'm gonna shift gears just a little bit i know you say that you know every state has become a border state mm-hmm. but i know your heart is in tennessee yeah right? very much so and and so you talk about all these these things you're working on but i know you're working on things for the state of tennessee of course, and tennessee yeah. and so tell us a little bit about kind of your focus a little closer to home. Well, of course, closer to home is the base and making yeah. sure that they have the resources they need to do their mission. Um, and they're very involved in the Ukraine mission. The 101st mm-hmm. Airborne Division has a brigade there rotating a new brigade in, uh, doing that mission in, I think, Poland, uh, maybe Czechoslovakia and Romania, too. They're, they're sort of spread out, but making sure those guys, things like barracks, things like um, new gate, they want a new gate, mm-hmm. Um the, the guys from my old unit have asked for a, um, a gate uh, at their mm-hmm. compound. And um, so all of those things, we have to take take care of those. Yeah. From, from the economy's standpoint, you know, for businesses in our, in our area, obviously it's uh, getting the debt under control and spending under control because that's yeah. created the inflation problem we have today and just the, the, the corresponding rise in interest rates. Yeah. Um, but it's also educating people on what causes inflation, because you'll be shocked 
at how many people in Congress, particularly, again, on the other side of the aisle. I had a conversation with a Democrat who is in, again, in my Reagan O'Neill club and and is a, you know, I wouldn't say close friend, but I mean, an acquaintance that wants to help bridge the divide in the country. So she's on that committee or that club. And uh, her comment was, you know, who who understands inflation anyway? And I said, well, I do. If you, <laughs> if you want me to explain it, there's a demand side and a supply side. And, you know, I could go into it. But, um, yeah, a lot of people yeah. don't get it. And the government spending has been a big part of that. So we want to slow that down, um, fix the debt issue. You know, I think it's pretty interesting. You've mentioned it before, and, and you've told me a little bit about it. The, the Reagan O'Neill Club, something that you've put together to to unite both parties. Just kind of define what that is. Yeah, sure. So I think one of the greatest challenges to the country is the divide in the country, yeah. right? I mean, we are ideologically divided, and um, and it seems like the ideologies have spread apart a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, the overlap between the two political ideologies in our country has gotten less and less. So the things we agree on is smaller and smaller and Mm -hmm. smaller. And that doesn't bode well when you consider one on social media, you can select what, what you hear, right? you can, you can actually, if you disagree with something, not listen to those different ideas. So you Mm -hmm. could turn it all off. Yep. So that creates an echo chamber, right? You only hear your own thinking and then uh, people are physically picking up and moving to places that think the way they do. Uh, Texas A&M study, political scientists looked at the 92 election and he only colored counties in the country. If one or the other presidential candidate won by 20 points. So we're talking about a pretty homogenous county, right? Homogeneous county. That uh, 20 plus percent, only a few counties in the country were colored in 92. In 2020, almost every county in America was colored either blue or red, mm. meaning we're physically picking up and moving and we're seeing it in Clarksville, yep. right? Yep. We're seeing it in Tennessee. People who are aligned with us are moving here. And there's always that question, well, how do they vote? You know, yeah. I'm moving to Tennessee, <laughs> right. how do they vote? <laughs> and right. some studies in Texas show that they actually vote in Texas more red than Texans. And I'd make the argument, and I love Ron DeSantis, but a lot of people say, look at what he did to Florida. Well, a lot of that is the in-migration of people who are like-minded. So that what yeah. once was a purple state has shifted to become more red because of a lot of in-migration. Now, granted, DeSantis has done some really good things that have made people that have moved people from independents to Republicans. And what he did in Miami-Dade County is just unbelievable, mm. right? A, a true Democrat county, he lost by eight, I think, and won by 11. Or vice versa. Yeah. Anyway, it was an eighteen point flip. Uh, so I, I'm not taking anything away from DeSantis, yeah, sure. but I think a lot of that has to go to the in migration. Yeah. Yeah. And that concerns me. So I, I and I, I had sensed it when I first got to Congress. So I started this club called the Reagan O'Neill Club. Eight Democrats, eight Republicans. You can't talk policy. The goal is to just have relationships yep. that will maybe dial the rhetoric down. I don't want us to agree. I just don't want us to hate one another because we disagree. So I figure if we get relationships and have friendships, then perhaps um, the rhetoric will get dialed down and maybe we get to solve some problems for the country. Because Reagan O'Neill, what a lot of people don't know about it, those two guys would meet on a weekly basis. I think it was at um, one of the, you know, um, I think it was one of the hotels starts with a W in D.C., but 
they would meet on a weekly basis to talk about a topic that wasn't political. So they would meet to talk about, for example, baseball. And they would pick the topic beforehand. Yeah. yeah. And that was the topic of discussion. And they would they would drink some Irish whiskey because they were both Irishmen. <laughs> and they would, uh, you know, and that allowed them to get, and they got some stuff done for the country, yeah. right? Now they fought like cats and dogs in the daytime, did the political sure. stuff, but they had a relationship. And today we don't have that in our, yeah. so eight and eight. Um, and honestly, it kind of faltered at first. And my commitment to it, I'll be completely honest, I was like, well, should I do this? And then I went on a trip to Poland with yeah. three Democrats, three Republicans, and we were, it was a week or two after the invasion to look at the refugees coming out of Poland and also to see our troops that were there sending, you know, 101st was yep. there, right? Or no, yep. it was the 82nd at the time. It would become the 101st after. And it was actually the company I had commanded in the 82nd oh. Airborne Division was there. So that was really cool on a side <laughs> note. But we went out to dinner. It's kind of stiff. One group's on one side, one group's on the other side of the table having dinner. Republicans and Democrats aren't really having conversations with each other. Yeah. On the way back to the hotel, there was a, a bar there, and I'm like, let's go in. And so we, we go into the bar, and everybody yeah. comes, which was good. And by the end of the night, we're laughing and having a great time and talking to one another. Yeah. And I came back and said, you know, um, 760,000 Americans sent each one of those Democrats to office. And if I have an issue with them, what I really have an issue with is the 760,000 Americans who sent that person to Congress. And I can't, I can't hate Americans, right? That's right. So it renewed my desire to see the Reagan O'Neill Club be successful. Now it's 22 and 22 and people are begging to get in the club. Yeah. We meet on the, I had two Democrats already asked to host it this, this summer. We've got meetings planned in March, April, uh, June. Uh, it's, it's really taken off. We're looking at starting a podcast. Yeah. The Reagan O'Neill podcast, which will just, again, it won't talk policy, but it'll, you know, like in my case, we'll talk about when my son had cancer or yeah, we'll talk yeah, about, yeah. you know, what med school was like. We'll talk yeah. about things that let people get to know who their congressman is. Yeah. And they'll see us coming together and hopefully it bridges the divide in the country. Uh, again, we don't have to agree. Yeah. We just shouldn't hate one another for disagreeing. Yeah. No, I agree. O- open dialogue's good. And yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of guys that I that I hang around with politically. We don't you know, see eye to eye on everything, but we can have conversations about other things and, you know, friendship, friendship's important. And maybe at some point talk about inflation, you know, (laughs) but, but not until you have relationship. Right. And so, and I'm, look, I, I can't help it. Uh, I see a problem. I'm going to try to fix it. Uh, I'm going to lead. Yeah. So I went to uh, a Democrat recruited a Democrat leader and yeah, now it's a huge success. You know, uh, I've, I've asked you this before. I just, I was going to ask you, I guess, um, your military background. And when, when you're commanding some a group, you have to find that cohesiveness to, to get the mission done. I mean, where does that come into play? All, you know, you're growing up and in your background. How does that help you prepare for what you're doing now? I, you know, I think it's a, a combination of a lot of things. Clearly, the military uh, taught me how to lead people, how to grow influence. Uh, but so did running my company. Yeah. Cause, yeah. And I'll tell you, running my company was easy, was harder because in the military, you can rely on your rank. Yeah. So, and that's the lowest level of leadership, positional leadership, right? According to John Maxwell, 
But when you're running a company of emergency physicians who can go work anywhere else in the country they want, yep. it's like running a volunteer organization. You got they got to want to be there because of you and the vision you've cast. So I think I learned more about leading people, leading physicians in my company, which was, you know, as you know, very successful. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and our turnover rate was one of the lowest, probably the lowest in the industry at first. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, leading and then, of course, planning and organizing, mm -hmm. thinking strategically. Um, yeah. But you, to be inspirational kind of takes I have that personality yeah, type. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. I rely on that, too. Um, and then all the history I've read and, you know, yeah. I'll quote you know, Alfred Lord Tennyson or some, po <laughs> you know, and you have to be a little bit careful because some of those guys are now considered canceled. Right. So you have to yeah. be a little ca yeah. careful. Uh, but sometimes I just use them anyway. And, yeah. and you know, but um, it, it's all of who I am. Right. Who God has built me yeah. to be yeah. um, for this time. So. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you talk about that and then, you know, we go to Life Point Church and there's a time that I've seen you on stage with General Luck and Mike and, oh, yeah. and others. And, and I think all that, it just all kind of meshes together for me because I can see your heart. I see your leadership style, but I also see that you just genuinely care. You may not always be 100% correct in how to get something, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because nobody is, right? Yeah. But you're willing to at least reach out and say, okay, how can we get this done for the people? Yeah. I mean, the one, another thing that really I learned from the army and I used in my business and I've used in our offices, um, is the after action review. Yes. You know, the army was a learning organization and by placing the concept of the after action review in there, where after every operation or every field training exercise, you sit down and you say, what did we do? Well, in each of the categories, what did we do poorly and need to improve yeah. on? And so my guys, uh, and hopefully they're getting them, uh, their annual uh, counseling from Stephen and from, yeah. So it's in that format, okay. right? It yeah. was the same in my company. Sure. My physicians had a, uh, we had a counseling form for them and what are you doing well? And what do you need to improve on? Yeah. And it was by communication, patient interaction, clinical, yeah. you know, skills. Uh, and so, um, that's something I got out of the army that I think has made me successful in life because yeah. you got to be a learning. If you're not learning, I think it was Ray Kroc who was uh, PepsiCo or McDonald's. He said, um, when you become ripe, you begin to rot. Mm. So I don't ever want to be ripe. Teddy Roosevelt yeah. died with a how to book on his chest in his seventies. I think. Wow. That's the guy when not, not all of his politics, yeah. by the way, yeah, but I get it. But um, anyway, definitely want to be a learner. Yeah. Well, well, I appreciate you being here. Yeah. And, and before before we end, is there anything that uh, you want to you just want to tell your constituents? Um, sure. I, I, w I would say thank you, you know, yeah. for the chance to uh, represent them in Congress and to uh, help solve some of these issues facing yeah. our nation. Um, I owe it to, to Clarksville on many, particularly Clarksville on many levels because of the way they took care of my family when I was here yeah. and deployed to, yeah. to Iraq and Afghanistan. So I will always do my best to give back and take care of the people here. But thanks for the continued confidence. Um, 
Always remember, if you're coming to D.C., give us a little bit of a heads up. Yeah. We need a little more than a, a, a week to get a tour of the White House set up. Uh, if folks will give us about 90 days on White House tours, right, Sam? And then, yeah. uh, you know, we love it when people come up and we can give them tours and take them around. And now that we're in the majority, I can get access to dome tours now a little yeah. better than I could uh, when uh, when the Democrats were in charge, so lots of lots of things like that. Internships. People want to go to West Point or you know, Navy, which I, I can't understand why they'd want to go to Annapolis. But I, I'm just kidding, of course. <laughs> uh, but if they want to go to one of the service academies, all that stuff's on the on my official yeah. web page. Yeah. People can check that out. We need interns for this summer. Uh, young uh, college students who want to want to take a summer and do an internship can do that, and it's a great experience. Everyone who's done it has had, I think, a very positive experience learn about government, learn about leading, learn about the economy and the challenges facing the country. So yeah, just tell folks about those opportunities and go online and sign up. Well, you've got some great folks working for you locally. So if they just reach out to your office, I'm yeah, sure. Sam uh, is uh, Sam is a, is a pretty solid dude. And uh, if, if I were in the private sector, he could work for me there too, if that tells you anything. You so uh, yeah. I got a great team all over in, and down in Williamson County, you know, Patty and the crew are great. The D.C. team is great. My committee team, now I have a staff there that's uh, mm. about 50 people, so it's wow. huge, uh, with my 19 members. So we've, we've got a, a great team of people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I sure appreciate you taking time, and we look forward to hearing from you again. Thanks, Charlie. Good to be with you. Subscribe to Clarksville's Conversation wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single conversation.